You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's never-ending kindness in Ramat Shemesh Israel 5769-2009. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Bahar Bechukosai. We're going to focus in on one of the topics in Bahar at the very beginning. It speaks about the concept of Yovel. The concept of Yovel says the verse, chapter 25, verse 8, the Shonim. You count seven groups of seven years. Sheva shonim, sheva pe'amim. Seven years, seven times. Vayilacha yimei sheva shavsis ha'shonim, teisha v'arboim shona. And these seven groups of seven years will total 49 years. What happens in the 50th year? V'havarta shoifar trua b'chodesh ha'shviv b'esor l'chodesh. So in the 50th year, in the seventh month, which is actually the month of Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year, on Yom Kippur, you blow the shofar. On that day of Yom Kippur, it's to be blown in your entire land. And the verses go on to tell us that what happens in the Jubilee year, a number of different things. One is it's similar to Shemitah. We don't work the land. We, we totally are mafkir. We make ownerless anything that's in our property. That's number one. Number two is all slaves, all Jewish slaves go out free. They return to their families. The third thing is any piece of land that you ever bought goes back to its original owner. What does that mean? That means when Joshua originally brought the Jewish people into the land of Israel about 3,300 years ago, so after a number of years of conquering the land of Israel, so the entire Israel was apportioned to different tribes. There were 12 tribes, and each tribe received their portion. Each family received a certain portion that was designated for them. And anyone who tried to sell their portion, so it would be sold only for a limited amount of time until the Jubilee year. And in the Jubilee year, so that piece of land would return to its original owner, to the original person who inherited it. And it's important that we understand that when we talk about the inheritance that was taking place, so it was done through a girl, through a lottery. But the lottery was being guided by God such that each person received the portion that he was supposed to receive specifically as God desired. Now, I'd like to explore this whole concept of Yovel, point out a number of different things that we see here, try to understand them, bring you a great depth. The first thing I'd like to understand, and that's what we're going to speak about mainly, is the concept of the shofar. Why specifically in the Jubilee year, the entire country, it didn't matter who you were, it didn't matter where you were, everyone would blow a shofar on Yom Kippur. What is the understanding? Why did they do this? Now, it's also important to understand is that when we talk about these slaves becoming freed, so who are we talking about here? We're talking about any slave, any Jewish slave. Now, the law is that a slave, a Jewish slave, can only be sold or sell himself to another Jew for a certain amount of years, for six years. After six years, so he's supposed to go out free. But if he wants to, he can remain by his master. He can say, I love my master, I want to stay here, I want to keep working here, it's good for me here. Okay, so he's continued to work. It's been already 30 years he's been by his master. Comes along Yovel. Yovel says, you are free. You can no longer stay by your master. Go home to your family. Guy says, well, I want to stay. I'm happy here. Doesn't matter. Go home to your family. It's all over. You can't be a slave any longer. Question is, why? What's the understanding? Why does this happen in Yovel? Why in the Jubilee, all of a sudden, all these slaves who have wanted to remain by their masters, they go home. They go free. They can't stay anymore. What's the understanding? Now we have the concept that we said that all pieces of land that were originally given over by Joshua to the Jewish people, they returned to the original families that they belonged to. Why does that happen in the Jubilee year? What's the significance of that? What does it teach us? And also we see that it's similar to Shemitah, that the land has not worked. A person doesn't have any rights to keep the things that are in his own field. How is that significant? What does that teach us? 
Now, when we look at the way we count to the Jubilee year, so as we said, you count seven times seven years, it gives you 49, and then in the 50th year, the 50th year is the Jubilee year. Now, what's interesting is we find a similar concept, we're actually inside of the concept right now, and it's the concept of Sphira. We count from Pesach every single day for 49 days, and on the 50th day, which we don't count, the 50th day is the day of Shavuot, so when we receive the Torah. Now, one of the things that's interesting here is that both in regards to counting until Shavuos, which is the 50th day, and in regards to counting until the Jubilee year, which is the 50th year, the Torah doesn't mention that we actually count the 50th year. The Torah just talks about seven times seven. We count seven weeks of seven days. We count seven groups of seven years. Both places, the Torah doesn't say anything about the actual 50th year being counted or the 50th day being counted. We need to understand the significance of that. Another very interesting parallel is that we find that the original time that we had Pesach, when the Jews left Mitzrayim, when they left Egypt, so they counted 49 days until they came to Har Sinai, to Mount Sinai. What happens at Mount Sinai on the 50th day on Shavuos? They received the Torah. What happened during their receiving of the Torah? So the Torah tells us that there was a shofar blowing. Just like in the Jubilee year, the 50th year, they blow the shofar, so too on the 50th day at Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, there was a shofar blowing. What's the significance of that? Now the plot thickens, because this was no ordinary shofar that was blowing at Harsinai at Mount Sinai. Actually, our sages tell us that the shofar that was blowing at Harsinai was the left horn of a very special ram. Which ram? It was the ram of Yitzchak. Yitzchak of Inu, Isaac. So he was bound on the altar by Abraham. Abraham took him, he was about to shecht him, to slaughter him, he was about to kill him. God says, don't do it. And they look and they see over there in the corner, caught in the thicket, is a ram. It's caught by its horns. And they take that ram and they sacrificed that ram on the altar in place of Isaac. Now that ram had two horns. The left horn was the horn that was blown by God at Harsin, at Mount Sinai. That's what our sages tell us. Not only that, but the right horn of that same ram is the horn that's going to be blown when Mashiach comes, when the Messiah comes. What is the significance of these two horns? Why specifically this animal? And it goes even deeper and further because, in fact, our sages also tell us that this ram was one of the things that was created during the first six days of creation. On the sixth day of creation, God specifically created this Ayel Shel Avram. This ram of Abraham, it was created then, all the way at the beginning of creation. What's the significance of the fact that it was created back then? Now, I'd like to just give you one last set of questions, two questions. This is based on a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah on Daf Tezayin, page 16. The Gemara says something very interesting. It says that on Rosh Hashanah, so we say three different types of prayers. We say Malchios, we make God our King. We say Zichronos, we ask God to remember us. And we say a category of brachos, of blessings called Shofros, which have to do with the Shofar, blowing the Shofar. So the Gemara says, why do we have these different types of blessings on Rosh Hashanah? What's the idea? So the Malchios, the kingship blessings, have to do with the fact that we're making God our king. That's what Gemara says. What's Zichronos, the remembrance blessings? That's to bring our remembrance for good in front of God. And the Gemara says, what's the purpose of Shofros, of the Shofar, of blowing the Shofar? It's to bring up our goodness, our good mention in front of God. Again, what's going on here? And it gets even more interesting because the Gemara says immediately after that that there's a reason that we specifically use a shofar and we specifically use the horn of a ram. You know, there are other horns that are permitted to be used, specifically not the horn of an ox. However, all of the horns, all of the animals that have horns, you're allowed to use them as a shofar. But we specifically use the horn of an isle of a ram. The question is why? So Gemara explains why. And it says that when we blow the shofar, the shofar of an isle, the shofar, 
shofar of a ram, the ram's horn, what does that do? It reminds God about the akedah, the binding of Isaac. And God considers it as if we have bound ourselves in front of God. Again, what does this mean? What is the significance of this? How do we understand this? Why is it important that we be considered as if we bound ourselves in front of God? How does the shofar blowing it, how does it remind God of that? What is going on here? What's the understanding of all these things? So now, I'd like to take you on a little bit of a journey into the imagination. I'd like to think about the following idea. The word shofar. The word shofar is very similar phonetically to the word sofer. Shofar, sofer, the two words are very similar, and specifically because the letter shin is interchangeable always with the letter sin, it's the same letter, and the letter sin is interchangeable with the letter samech, they have the same sound. So you have the shofar and the sofer. Now what's a sofer? We're going to change around the letters a little bit. We're going to have the word sipur. Samech peresh means two things. It can mean a communication, and it can also mean a story. Now, when we understand this, we're going to be able to see that this is exactly the same concept as the chauffeur. In a story or a communication, what happens? I have a concept that has developed inside of my mind, and I want to give over that concept to you. Or I have a story that I experienced. I have this vision inside of my mind of whatever happened to me, and I want to give that story over to you. And I express that in words. That's called a sipur, a communication, a story. And what happens when you receive that information in your mind through your ears, so you're also able to develop the idea inside of your own mind. The concept will become crystal clear inside of your own mind. I'm able to take a concept from inside of my mind and put it into your mind through the concept of communication, Sipur. Now I'm going to tell you something even deeper and hold on to all this information. It's very important. The concept is like this. The concept of Sipur, of giving over, of communication, corresponds, the deeper sources say, the Kabbalistic works say, it corresponds to the concept of the spirit. And I noticed, and I think it's not a coincidence, that the main letters in the word Sipur are Samach Pe Reish, or in English, S-P-R. In the word spirit, the main letters are S-P-R. It's not a coincidence, because Sipur, communication, and the concept of the spirit are intimately linked. And the idea is as follows, because the spirit, the spiritual world, is bound to the physical world. What does that mean? As we've learned in Nefesh HaChaim, in the daily Kabbalah lesson, the concept is that when I do an action in this world, because I have a soul, I have a spirit that attaches me, it's like a chain linking me all the way up to the highest levels of reality, to the spiritual worlds. When I move my hand, I move my lips, say a word of Torah, it affects the highest levels of reality all the way to my root in the spiritual worlds. And it also works in the reverse, because God can send on a shefa, an influx of spirituality from the highest levels through my soul into my physical body. The spirit, the soul, is a channel through which we connect ourselves to the above, to the divine, to the spiritual worlds, and through which God connects himself to us, as it were. Now this is the concept of spirit, of the spiritual worlds, of sipur, of communication, where I have an idea in my head, I speak it out, and it enters into your head. There's a connection that's taking place. This is also the concept of the shofar. The shofar, what is the idea of the shofar? I take breath into my lungs, I blow out the breath, I'm taking something from inside of myself. I'm creating a sound through the shofar. That sound expresses something of my essence and it's being communicated to you also important to note is that whereas vision may be limited, I can only see as far as I can see. 
But sound doesn't have that limitation because with sound, so you could have a sound that comes from a faraway place that's absolutely invisible, but you can still hear it if it's loud enough. That's the power of the shofar. The power of the shofar is that it has the ability to communicate, to transport a person from one reality to another, to take a person from his current state and bring him to a higher level, to a more unified state, a more spiritual state. Now let's go back through all the questions that we asked. We're going to do it in backwards order. We're going to see how this thread, this idea, actually runs through every single one of the questions that we asked. We quoted a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah on Dr. Zayim, page 16. The Gemara there said that the reason that we blow the shofar of an isle of a ram is because it reminds God of the Kedas Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac. Isaac was replaced by that ram. And God considers it as if we have bound ourselves in front of him. That's the power of the shofar. The shofar transports us from our current state, our current lowly state. We're not such great tzaddikim, we're not so righteous when we stand before God on Rosh Hashanah. But nevertheless, when we blow that shofar, it transports us to that ultimate level of sacrifice where Abraham and Isaac were ready to bind themselves to do God's will, ready to sacrifice themselves to do God's will. Not only that, but as we said, the shofar, the concept of the shofar has the ability to bring up our zikrun, our remembrance in front of God for good. How does it bring it up? The answer is the shofar is the channel. It's the transporter beam that brings up all the good things that we've done, all the good mentions that we have, and places it in front of God, brings it to our source. We said over the beautiful statement of our sages that they told us that at Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai, there was the left shofar blowing. The left shofar of that ram was blowing, of Abraham's ram. And when Mashiach comes, the right horn will blow. What's the concept of this blowing? It's because at Har Sinai, and when Mashiach comes, there's a unity, there's an unbelievable realization that occurs. Instead of us being completely encased by the physical, we'll be completely encased by the spiritual. That level of reality that awareness of God will come down upon us. It will be transported, so to speak. And the shofar is the means for that transportation to occur. It's as if God Himself is blowing into the shofar, transporting His reality to us, and we become aware of it through the shofar. This also explains the concept of Yovel, of the Jubilee year. Why did they blow a shofar in that year? After seven times counting seven, just like when you go from Pesach to Shavuos, so there's a shofar that's blown when you're at Har Sinai, revealing the light of God upon us. A similar thing happens in the year of Yovel, in the Jubilee year. Because for 49 years, there were Jews who had enslaved themselves. They had made themselves slaves to other slaves. As our sages tell us, the reason that the year of a slave who wants to remain with his master, a Jewish slave, his ear is thrust through with an awl. And the reason is because the ear that heard that we are slaves to God now wants to make someone else a slave. The Jewish people are supposed to be slaves to God, not slaves to other slaves. So that ear is thrust through. But when it comes to Jubilee year, he can no longer say, I want to be a slave to a slave. There's a shofar blown. Every single Jew is returned to his essence, which is the connection to God, the serving of God, realizing that our entire purpose for being in this world is solely to connect to spirituality, to connect to God. The slave who hears that sound no longer remains enslaved to another Jew. He becomes again, he returns again to God. And that's also why all of the land returns back to its original owners. There's a return to its source. The source is God. God decreed every single person who has his piece of land, this is the one that's designated for each person. The shofar signals a return to the source. 
This is also why during the Yovel year, it's like a Shemitah year. We don't take anything for ourselves. We don't work the land. The land belongs to everyone. It's again a recognition that everything goes back to its source. God is the one who gives everything to every single human being. No person can per se take a piece of land, can take fruits off of a tree and say, this is only mine. It all belongs to God and God gives it to everyone. May we all merit to hear that shofar, to hear that final shofar on the day when Mashiach comes, and be able to re-experience that connection to God, the return to our source. But we don't have to wait till then, because every time we hear the shofar on a Rosh Hashanah, every single day of El, there's a reminder, there's a connection that we need to make to return to God. That's why the shofar reminds us to repent. And even now, as we are counting down to Shavuos, we're bringing down the light of Hashem, that light of God that we experience, unbelievable spirituality that we experienced on Pesach, it's being brought down. It's going to shine on that day, Shavuos, that the shofar blew for our entire people, the Jewish people at Harsin, at Mount Sinai, and we all were reconnected to God. We have an opportunity this year, just like 3,300 years ago, we have an opportunity every single year to tap in to the unbelievable connection. The way we connect is through the Torah. The Torah brings us back to our source because the Torah is the will of Hashem. Thank you so much for for listening and have a great Shabbos.